wish I had more time to get that joke off. Wrestling Podcast. We are the Four Horsemen of Podcasting. We have uh, we, we got Tully over here, Doug. Don't ever compare me to Tully Blanchard again. I will punch you in the dick. Okay. All right, Tully. I'll be Tully. No, you're I'll be Tully. Tully. Oh, no, uh, I hate Tully Blanchard with a passion. It's a shame he's still alive. All right. Well, we got Arn. We got Doug. Uh, we got. Uh, fucks up the tag team thing I was gonna go with, but we got Oli and our or Oli and Tully over there. Flyneth and Eric's here. What's up? Oh, it's going great so far because Doug's a diva, and we got Nate. <laughs> or I'll be, or I can be Nate or JJ, but uh, we are here to talk about the Macho Man. We aren't going to be discussing the Horsemen today. One of your favorite wrestlers, Doug. Yep. And we're going to be talking about his top ten matches and moments. Right. So uh, we we have a list that we all generated and worked on. Eric sent some of his picks. Plymouth was busy traveling the world, but uh, he's back here today, and we're here to talk Randy Savage. So why don't you – but before we go, I do – and it sucks that we've been having to do a lot more of these on the show – but uh, let's give a, a small moment of silence for uh, Draz, Darren Drazdoff. Uh He passed away today. Yeah. And, you know, he has a legacy of his own. He was a great wrestler when he was active. It was tragic what happened to him when he was alive. And it sucks that his life ended in tragedy, too. He's a very inspirational story, a badass dude. You know, the whole shit that went down with him and D'Lo, and he's still, you know loved D'Lo and never blamed him for the incident and everything and just seemed like a sweetheart of a human being and uh, R.I.P. Dress. R.I.P. Dress. Yeah, it kind of took me by surprise when I saw that that happened. Yeah. Sucks that more and more people... Yeah, I just saw it happen out of it, though. Alright, let's get into the macho man. Why don't you give a few thoughts on macho, Doug? So he's one of those guys. You grew up to him, for God's sakes. Yeah. He's one of those guys. He was my favorite growing up. I prefer him over Hogan, just like I prefer Mongo over Tully. Uh, and, like, yeah, complete same thing. Yeah. Uh, well, Macho and Mongo, same level. Exactly. Watch <laughs> top rope elbow. Uh, but, uh, no, Macho Man was like, he was cool because he was a very colorful character, uh, you know, very flashy. You know, back in the day, like, he always, you know, he would always have, like, the different color tights, different color robe, you know, sunglasses, headband, you know, bandana, whatever. Uh, but then, like, you know, when it got to be, like, 80, or 90, 91, 92, like, he would have the outfits. Like, the guy that made his outfit, because Randy wanted an updated look in about 90, 91. 
So Hogan introduced him to this guy who made clothes for pips. And uh, he went up to the guy and the guy said, or he went up to the guy and said, Hulkster said, you can make me some clothes. And the guy looked at him and said, I have no idea who the fuck you even are. He's like, I'm the macho man, Randy Savage. He goes, all right, well, what do you usually work with? Uh, and the, the guy, he showed the guy, like, what he had, and he's just like, I need real estate. Like, I need to be able to go from, like, the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And he's like, do whatever you want. And he's just like, don't tell me that. So when the guy uh, made him, like, five outfits, that were basically like he kind of took from when he used to make clothes for, for pimps. Yeah. So, uh, and that's where like the inspiration for a lot of Randy's clothes came from. That's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, they always had some soul to them. Yeah. And that's funny because like a lot of the stuff he wore, like if you look at uh, one of the Hasbro's, uh, I don't, I don't think I have it anymore. But, like, one of the Hasbro's, the last Hasbro that they made of Randy, it was the, they call it cowboy hat nacho because he's got the cowboy hat or whatever. He only wore that outfit once. And that was... He only wore that once? The outfit of the of the Hasbro that, okay. that I had. Okay, because I remember him wearing a cowboy hat a lot. Well, he only wore that specific cowboy hat and like the jacket and the and the tights one. Like oh, that, okay. that, the whole outfit. Remember the picture of him in the Canadian tuxedo? Yeah. That meme still goes around sometimes. But Randy was just he was one of those guys to where uh he was always wired like a cheap watch almost. But but he was always paranoid cuz he always felt like people were trying to screw him. And in Hulk well, Hulk, to be fair, and in Hulk Hogan's case, he usually was. Yeah, and that's the only kind of elephant in the room with that whole thing. And as much like, and because everybody shits on Hogan, and I feel like he was such a hero to so many young kids, and he was, he did help the business in a major way. Yeah. So I try to like show him a little more respect because. I don't want to be like every other smart mark that's like, oh, getting sucks. He was bad for the bit. But when it comes to Macho Man in particular, he did hold that motherfucker back a lot. Right. And it's just like... and uh, In big moments. Well, and here's the thing, too. One of the moments Eric picked, uh, which was Macho Man joining the NWO. You know, not necessarily a great moment. Uh, you know, it might be like... Because all it basically was was... Hogan didn't want to wrestle Savage anymore. Yeah. So, okay, you're going to join the NWO, so I never have to get in the ring with you, because up to that point, Savage had never gone over Hogan clean. Yeah. And him joining the NWO was just Hogan dictating who he was going to work with. Yeah. He didn't want to wrestle Savage anymore. So, he's like, okay, so you're going to join us. Just like, and even like, he won the battle ball. The, Hogan was bitching in the ring. Like, it, it, the, the, World the, War, Hulk, the World War III. Oh, yeah, World War III. And like that's that. one of the reasons why the moment didn't make the list, because Hogan tainted the moment. Yeah, he ruined it. Another moment, a, a moment that did make the list, a spo- little spoiler alert, when he wins the world title the next night, drops it to Hogan. Like, there's just, 
Right? Or, oh, no, did, he dropped, he dropped well, he, he, he did that twice. Yeah. He's, one of those moments is on the list. The other one isn't because of the, that match when he dropped the, the – when he won that title that second time. Yeah. It was uh, – the match wasn't great, but that's also because WCW was heading down the, uh, the shithole. It just sucks that, especially for someone that was so talented, could actually go in the ring and kids loved yeah. for the long. Like back in the day, it was Macho, and if Macho was built as that top guy, who knows? Like maybe they would have sold the same amount of tickets. Maybe they would have. Like he was just so enigmatic. Like, I can't say the word right now. He had charisma coming out of his ass. There you yeah. go. He, he was an enigma. Yes, he was. And he just. He really captured the attention of people. So if you didn't have Hogan holding him back in certain moments, if you had him in the main event of WrestleMania at certain times, instead of just like filling in and kind of being the number two guy, if he was billed as the number one guy, like Macho Man might have been in a thought of in a different light. And he's still thought of as a legend. He does get a lot of respect on his name that he deserves. But I feel like he always had that top guy quality and he was always kind of. If, put in that number two slot because of Hogan. If you look at uh, merch, okay, yeah. and I talk about merchandise all the time and merch sellers, especially back in those days. Yeah. Savage was the only heel, I think, on the roster that actually got, like, a toothbrush, a cookie cutter, uh, the bear. Yeah. Uh, you know, T-shirts and all that. Like, uh, you know, the squirt head, like the different stuff that they would do. Cause you know, for a while, and I think I have almost the entire set except for Randy's, but the WWF did toothbrushes at the time. And, and they always did like their specialty merchandise on their top sellers. In 1990 and 91, your top, top five merchandise movers, and I don't know if I'm going in any particular order or not, but Hogan, obviously, Savage, Warrior, Boss Man, and LOD. They moved the most merch, so their pictures were on everything. Yeah. And Savage was the only heel in that group at the time. Yeah, and he was only heel because Hogan was the top guy, too. And he still made that work incredibly. Yeah. Like, it's just... It's hard not to point that out when talking about his career. Yeah. As much as you don't want to, it's hard not to point out that there's certain moments where he should have been a lot bigger than he was. Well, yeah, because Hogan just – and because we talked about – I talked about Savage being paranoid. Like, did Savage ever beat him clean in his whole career? Did he ever beat Hogan clean? Yeah. Uh, he never pinned Hogan to the mat, no. Never pinned Hogan, never submitted him. Maybe he had some count outs or disqualifications. But he never pinned Hulk Hogan. Never pinned Hulk Hogan. Jesus Christ. Isn't that crazy to think how many times those guys have wrestled? Yeah. And if it wasn't going to be a a fuck finish, it was going to be Hogan was going to go over. Yeah. Hogan fucked over Randy Savage so many times. Like, a lot, you know, Hogan for the longest time was just like, uh, I don't know why, because for the longest time, I think from about 2000. Oh, when Savage had to, the beef? To about, to maybe like right before Randy passed in 2011. Yeah. Because they made up like six months before Randy passed. Yeah. 
Uh, and but oh, Savage hated him. I remember listening to his rap album, and there was a Hulk Hogan death. Yeah, be it. a man or something. Yeah. <laughs> but like, if you look at that, and Hulk would say, "I don't know why Randy hates me. I don't know why Randy hates me." Because you fucked him over. Yeah. That's why he hates you. Because <laughs> you held him down. Yeah. You stupid, full man chewed, bald headed motherfucker. <laughs> like. Fu <laughs> man chewed. Yeah. Bald headed motherfucker. Mm, yeah. Like. Because. And, and that's what happened. Hogan held him down. And listen, I get it in the 80s. I get it. When when business was hot and that shit was working, I understand. But the sh- and WCW Hulkamania wasn't working. When Savage won World War Three, Hulkamania wasn't working. There was no need for him in that moment whatsoever. There was and it, like NWO. I get it. That was hot. Was that necessarily all Hogan's heel turn? I don't know. Uh, fucking the Outsiders made it pretty cool. Yeah. Is it as cool without the outsiders? Probably not. If it's Hogan with the fucking Dungeon of Doom, it doesn't work. Now, I will say that Ho- that Savage being in the NWO was cool. Was cool because of the stuff he did with Dallas Page. Yeah. But the shit when they got him and Hogan together was always kind of a shit show. Yeah. It just uh but yeah, let's move on and t- celebrate Randy. Uh number 10. I mean, all we're not, I mean, all we're really doing right now is just giving everybody more of a reason to hate Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and like I started, I don't, I try not to do that because everybody does it enough. It's just hard to avoid it with this particular individual because out of everybody, out of all the, it doesn't work for me, pals. It affected Macho Man the most. Well, yeah, because even like if you go back and even look at the history of Piper. Yeah. All right. He finally he, got his clean win. Yeah, Piper got Piper got a clean win. Piper got uh, a couple of clean wins over. Now one of the matches absolutely sucked, which was the cage match. But Piper, you know, because Piper and Hulk had that respect for one another. Yeah, and he would like he wanted Andre. Like if we got to fucking like like make him look good, he believed in the big show. He made the giant look as good as possible, and he's tried to. Yeah. He 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 believed in Bill Goldberg in that moment, and on that episode of Nitro in that dome, and fucking he made him look like a million and, bucks. And he has the ability to do it. And I'm not by the way, he he did not he did not object. Yeah. To doing the the job for Luger. Now he knew he was getting the belt back because you know they were they were going to have the moment with Sting. Yeah. But he did not object. To, uh, I don't want to say he's a total piece and diva because everybody says that. Because there is moments like that to where he wasn't. But with Macho Man in particular, he could get very selfish. Yeah. But with that, unless Clinton and Eric want to go on it. Uh, well, they were considered best friends, weren't they? Savage and Hogan? One point. Yeah. On camera. Uh, on camera, and they did hang out a lot because when... When Savage was married to Elizabeth, Elizabeth was friends with with Linda Hogan, Hulk's wife at the time. Okay. So it's yeah. kind of one of those situations where the wives are friends. We got to hang out. Yeah. Even though technically they met okay. because we work at the same place. Yeah. Uh, So it, that, that's pretty much like what it was. I mean, they were 
cool for a while, but then Savage, I think, really started to have resentment towards Hogan when Elizabeth left him. Yeah, when the career was kind of over, I think he looked back and was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, in the moment, he was still making money, and he was still, like, a kind of a top, and people loved him and shit. So, in the moment, I don't think he really had time to to look back and be like, hey, this dude's fucking me over. But when you look back at your career, it's like, oh, I actually could have made this much more, and I could have, like, Hogan did, or Macho Man always did well, especially with the Turner contracts and stuff. And, like, he's been taken care of, and he was a big draw and stuff. But when you look back, it's like, hey, I should have been the main event of WrestleMania all those years that Hogan was. Right. I should have done that. Like, he should not have ruined Battle Bowl. Or, I keep saying Battle Bowl. He shouldn't have ruined World War Three for me. He shouldn't have took the belt off me. Like, I don't blame him. That's what, when you have time to sit and think, that's when you get pissed. Right. You know? <laughs> and even, like, going further back than that, you know, 92, when him and Elizabeth broke up. Elizabeth and Linda Hogan remained friends. I, and therefore, like, Hulk had to kind of take. Because, again, like, and you see this in wrestling a lot. Uh, when a couple gets divorced and the wife decides she's going to remain friends with the wife of the other wrestler, then the two wrestlers uh, that were friends to begin with, they can't be friends anymore because the one wrestler has to side with his wife. Uh, and that's like it's happened a few times. You know, William Regal had to drop a couple of friendships because his wife decided to remain friends with some ex-wives. Yeah. Uh, Arn Anderson, actually, for a while, wasn't talking to Ric Flair that much because Arn's wife decided to remain friends with Beth Flair. That's crazy. So, all right, we've done like 20 yeah, yeah. minutes on this, yeah. right? All right, number 10. Spring Stampede 98 world title match against Stink. So this to me was actually one of Randy's last good moments. Yeah. Because and he was heel, right? He was heel, but this is like right before the Wolf Pack form. Yeah. So Yeah, I was gonna say. Basically what happened was at Uncensored the month before, Sting and Savage were kind of united. Yeah. At Uncensored Hogan, uh, as uncensored, Hogan and Savage went at it in the cage. Yeah. Sting had beaten Scott Hall and retained the title. During the match, Brutus the Cockroach Beefcake, as Eric Bischoff would call him, uh, well, he was the disciple at, a t- at the time, interfered in the match, and they were attacking Savage. Uh, and, you know, Bischoff was there probably trying to figure out how he could murder Beefcake without anybody noticing. Uh, by the way, in case you couldn't tell by my words, Eric Bischoff hates uh, Ed Leslie Brutus Beefcake. Like, he, he said to Hogan, he goes, you know, the fact that Hogan and Beefcake were friends almost ruined my friendship with Hogan because I could not stand that motherfucker. He's no talented. Who said that? Bischoff said that about Beefcake. Bischoff. Oh, yeah. Bischoff hates him. Mm-hmm. Like, if he had to send him a Christmas present every year, it would be cyanide. Uh, That's funny. I'm Beefcake and Hogan, like, best friend. Beefcake and Hogan are, yeah. That must be such a weird dynamic. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, so at the cage match, Sting decides he's going to help Savage. And uh, lowers himself into the cage. Well, Savage, in a completely shocking move, clothesline Sting, gave him a pal drive. They thought that Savage was back in the NWO. Savage is like, no, I just attacked a guy that has the world title because I want to be the fucking champion. Hogan goes, that's my belt, brother. Like, the pecking order states, I'm the head of the NWO, I get the title. Yeah. Savage is like, no. <laughs> Mine. So Savage gets the title shot. Uh, then Kevin Nash starts to kind of feud with Hogan because Savage is, or Nash is trying to keep the peace, but also to, uh, like, the storyline is, because Sean Waltman had just been fired at the beginning of, like, sometime in March. Yeah. By WCW. Uh, now, the reason why he got fired was because Scott Hall and Kevin Nash pissed off Bischoff, but they had ironclad contracts they couldn't get fired. Waltman was recovering from a broken neck and also did not have an ironclad contract. Bischoff knew that that was going to piss Scott and Kevin off, so he's like, all right, fuck you. You know, you guys did this. And, and Scott actually, like, because they promised Scott his job anyway, because uh, when Scott was starting to have his troubles. Like, fuck you guys. I'm getting rid of your friends. So, in like, Nash started kind of taking his frustration out, like, on screen, even though it was storyline, on Hogan, because he started saying that Hogan had something to do with Waltman being fired. So that made him start to side with Savage. Peace goes around. They did an angle where Hogan actually hit Savage with a car. Uh, and then they have this match. It's no disqualification. Savage goes for the elbow drop. Savage, by, at this time, too, was having really bad knee problems. Yeah. Hogan pushes him off the top. Sting goes to to win. Kevin Nash comes out when the referee's knocked out, even though it's no disqualification. But also, Kevin Nash's jackknife powerbomb was barred at the time. Yeah. Powerbomb Sting. Savage wins the match. Hogan is pissed, right? Mm -hmm. So, Hogan at the end of the pay-per-view comes out and attacks Savage and Nash with a baseball bat. And said, this is my fucking belt. You have no right to wear it. Scott Norton, of all fucking people, comes out, takes the belt from Hogan and says, what are you thinking? The belt's back in the NWO. Who cares who has it? But then, of course, Scott Norton sided with Hogan like two weeks later anyway. But like at that point, he's just like, why are you doing it? Why are we fighting? Like, And he gave the belt back to Savage. And, of course, you know, Hogan had a fucking coronary, like, fucking, uh, you know, I don't think Scott Scott Norton won a match for, like, another couple of months after doing that. But, uh, like, that whole that whole thing, because the match actually was really, that spring stampede pay-per-view was actually really good. So, it was, that I match, and to be honest with you, that match was probably, like I said, it was probably Savage's last Last good match because his knee problems were really taking over. I would agree. 
I thought it was a really good one. Yeah. All right. Number nine. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, 1989, King of the Ring. For the crown. So, do you remember this one, Quintus? That's 80s right there, man. You know, you know, I go back as far as probably 93. All right. All right. Go ahead, Doug. All right. Uh, I know you're trying to give somebody else screen time, but or air time or whatever. Well, I know you love matcha. I want you to talk your shit. I just want to include everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So this match. All right. So back in the day, King of the Ring was actually something that had to be defended. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like. Yeah, they had to do, like, they did their house show tournaments or whatever. But Harley Race first came in as the king of the WWF in 1986. He defended the crown for a couple of years, got hurt. They gave it to Haku. He defended it for a little while. And I think it was May of 89, Haku lost the crown to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You know, because Duggan just screams royalty, right? Uh in September of 89, like just a, a week or two after SummerSlam, Macho King smacks Duggan in the back of the head with Sensational Sherry's purse and beats Duggan for the crown. Thus becomes the Macho King, get, uh, is given a gold scepter by the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. Because, you know, DiBiase can afford that shit. And thus began a cook. A close to two-year run as the Macho King, which actually was my favorite adaptation of the heel character. Yeah. So, to me, that started him on one of the, his best runs as a heel, him and Sherry. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite runs of him. Yeah. Because I just like that he was doing something. Underrated. It's yeah. so underrated because he's such a good baby face, and that's why it's like truly somebody that that did both sides well. Yeah. And and by the way, like that actually started because that was really getting Duggan, uh, you know, some good exposure sure. as ex- as opposed to the exposure he got getting pulled over on the pike with the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Uh but because Duggan was never, especially after that incident on the pike, Duggan was never really going to be considered like a main event guy. No. But, working with Savage, you know, doing the towns that night, because they worked the house show circuit, except for like the international shows where they had Hogan and Savage on top. Yeah. But, like, they worked the house show circuit for about five, six, for about five, six months. Yeah. And what it would usually be, you know, unless it, uh, actually, no, not or for about like maybe like four or five months or whatever it was. So from about September to about early January. So, uh, and what it would usually be is it would be Savage with Sherry in the corner versus Duggan with Elizabeth in the corner. Yeah. Uh, and those matches would actually, those would actually be the main events of the of the B towns. 
So Hogan would be doing the eight towns with Perfect, and Savage would be working the B towns with Duggan, with Warrior and Dino Bravo as the co-main. My boy. And, and yeah, so that's actually funny because like you had. Like, here was a, late 89 and early 90. Here was basically your triple main event of, of a B town. Savage Duggan, Warrior Bravo for the Intercontinental title, and uh, Dusty and Boss Man. Yeah. And a ball and chain match until Boss Man broke his ankle and uh, they couldn't really do that. Even though, like, Boss Man would still kind of come out and, like, do stuff because he, you know, obviously wanted to get paid. But there would actually be times where, like, uh, uh, Bossman couldn't do the match. Yeah. And, but for some reason, it, like, they would fucking send Akeem off to the A show. Or they were even still doing, I think, C shows at the time. So they would send him off to another town, you know, not thinking, oh, yeah, we'll just have a uh, Bossman's partner do it. So sometimes Slick actually had to wrestle Dusty in the ball and chain match. And it's not it's not a good look to have slick, you know, trapped to a ball and chain. Like you can't get away with that today. I agree. Yeah. But no, uh, it was a fun match though. Well, yeah, no, those were definitely fun. There were fun gimmicks back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, Duggan and Savage, like that, began kind of a run where. Uh, I mean, even though like, but even though Savage would always keep the crown, it was still it was still fun because they're both like two of my favorites. Yeah. So getting to see that, and then like they got a Survivor Series match out of it uh, with uh, two of your favorites also in there, Dino Bravo and Ron Garvin. My boys. Yeah. So, they had a little good no um feud there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like uh, while Hogan was busy doing other stuff, whether it be promoting Noel's Bard or getting ready for other challenges, Savage kind of kept himself busy, you know, with Hacksaw. And is Savage would bump for well, Savage would bump for just about anybody. Yeah. But Savage would really take the bumps for Hacksaw, and Hacksaw, who wasn't necessarily a great sell. No would actually sell for Savage, especially when Savage would clock him in the back of the head with the purse. Hell yeah. All right. Number seven or eight? Eight. Eight. Number eight. Eight. Las Vegas sudden death match, Halloween Havoc 97 versus DDP. Uh, this is one of my favorites. I was going to say, did somebody else want to take this so I could get my vocal cords to rest for about 10 seconds? This is 97. Uh, Clint, do you remember this one? I don't remember too much about the match because I thought we were making our own little list here. So I, I, my list can't happen like with the mega powers, explosion, and all that other good stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. So we, uh, well, we will get to that. Don't worry. Yeah, we will. <laughs> all right. Uh, Eric, you remember this one? Yeah, this DDP and uh, Randy Savage is probably one of the his best feuds. Um, they they didn't like each other. I, mean, I don't know their outside relationship, but during that 
Brooklyn '97. They hated each other, and the feud was probably one of the best feuds, I would say, from what I remember. They had really good matches and good encounters. All right. Yeah, I love this feud, and I thought these two worked great. And no matter what you want to say about DDP's ring work, I always thought he was a great character and very charismatic. But uh, his ring work was great with Savage. They had good chemistry. Yeah. So basically, they had great chemistry. here's how a lot of that worked. DDP was uh, neighbors with Eric Bischoff. Okay. He was also, he went way back with Hall and Nash. Yes. They wanted to give him a push. Uh, Bischoff was kind of hesitant about Paige working with Hall and Nash because Hall and Nash were his friends. Yeah. Because there was always the stigma of, oh, you know, the the click guys working together and how, like, all they want to do is just put each other over. So they called on, I think this is actually, this might actually be Bischoff's main reason for putting him in the NWO, which is not necessarily as selfish as Hogan just not wanting to beat him. But Bischoff looked at it as, all right, I got another main guy in the NWO that Paige can work with. Because Hogan wasn't going to put him over. So they said to Randy, they said, can you work with him? Yeah, it's fine with me. He goes, oh, yeah, it's fine with me, or whatever. And so they worked together. And what actually made it magic was the fact that both of them loved to pre-plan their matches. They would both go to each other with fucking five pages of notes of how they wanted the match to work out. And, like, people were just like, oh, my God. Like, because people hated working with them for that reason. Yeah. Because they didn't like them as pre-planned. But Savage and Paige had to pre-plan everything. Yeah. Like, they would love me. Uh, So... Uh, but yeah, so like Savage is like, all right, I'll do it. Now the first match, the Spring Stampede match, which was really good. Savage said, "I'm putting this guy over so he can get a big win." He yeah. did that. Then at Great American Bash, Savage won. This Halloween Havoc match, yes, Savage won, <laughs> but Paige was still a star. Yeah, he was. Yep. And. Like they all, they both kept their recognition the whole time. You know, none of them lost stock throughout this whole feud. No, because it, it was exactly. even in a loss. It's like if you go back to 2000 and Triple H and Chris Jericho. Yeah. As many times as Triple H kicked the shit out of Jericho, Jericho still was a star because mm-hmm. they were all star-making performances. Yeah. Like that fully loaded last man standing match where Triple H beat Jericho just by like a split second. Jericho was still a made man after that night. And uh, so like no losses to Triple H were going to hurt him. Yeah. It's the same thing with Paige and Savage. Savage could keep winning the matches, but because 
Paige got that first win, Paige was still a made man. Exactly. And would you say? Go ahead, Eric. I was going to say, do you think it's one of the best feuds in '97? I think it actually won awards for being the best feud. So I say it was. I, I think the only other feud that kind of tops it in '97 would be uh, would be Sean and Brett. But only that's because, like, there was, like, real-life animosity. Yeah. But WCW was probably the best feud in WCW. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't... I I definitely wouldn't give WCW's feud of the year to fucking Mongo and Jared. Actually, maybe I wouldn't or Mongo and his wife. But, uh... But, yeah, no. So, this match... Because this, uh, this Halloween Havoc is remembered for one match, and that's Ray and Eddie. It's also remembered for how shitty the Hogan-Piper-Cage match was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is like one of those forgotten gems. All right. Number seven on the list is the WrestleMania Seven retirement match versus the Ultimate Warrior. All right, Eric, we're going to let you start with this, I think, cause, uh, or we should anyway, because he, he put it on the – he wanted it on the list. What do you got, Eric? Yeah, this is, this is for the IC and the WWE championship, if I remember correctly. No. No, it's the retirement match. Oh, oh the retirement match. WrestleMania 7. Right. Um, and this was one of, probably the best one of the best um, matches on the card. Are you asking us if it's one of the best matches on the card, or are you stating that you thought it was? I'm stating. Okay. Because the way your voice just kind of traveled there, it's like, wait, is he asking us if it was the best match on the card? I liked it. <laughs> Yeah, it has good. It was. I mean, Warrior's not great in the ring. We all know that, but one of his best uh, matches is probably Randy at WrestleMania Seven. Yeah, when he's got a guy that can carry him well, like Randy or Rick Rude, then he's fine. Well, and that's the thing. Exactly. When they can carry him, when they can carry him, he's good. When they can tame him. And the Hogan match was about spectacle, so that didn't matter. Yeah, no, it, nobody cared, but. If he had a proper opponent that could really help him, then, then yeah. And Macho was a great opponent for that, and he made Warrior look good, and he also had that big moment with Elizabeth after the reuni- reuniting. I think that's what most people remember the match for, is the fact that, like, they reunited after. Yeah. And, like, it, one of the best parts of that match is, like, when Elizabeth comes in, throws Sherry out of the ring by her hair, and, like, Sherry's trying to get back in the ring, and poor Earl Hebner. Like, you could hear Earl just uh, yelling at Sherry, get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, uh, you know, she's screaming, and that, just Earl like, get the hell out of here. And then all of a sudden, Sherry just, run, Sherry just want, runs away. Yeah. And then, like, because I think Earl was also trying to, like, 
speed it up. It's like, okay, you know, we got to get this rolling here. They got to have their moment. Because Sherry just was not going away. Yeah. Like, it was another, like, five minutes before they got Sherry to fuck out. And that's when Earl's was like, come on. Yeah. Uh, God bless Earl Hebner. He's fucking hilarious. Uh, I love that guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, he just... But yeah, so then like they have that moment and all the people in the audience are crying and Bobby Heenan is basically saying, what a bunch of fucking wusses. Uh, Go ahead, Eric. I was going to say this was one of the rare moments where you got two guys that were fan favorites by the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, because, and again, like, so even though Savage would technically continue doing color commentary as a heel, uh, unless it came to Elizabeth, then he would be a babyface. Yeah. But like everybody fell back in love with the Macho Man after. How can you not? One of the best moments in finally WSH. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I like just the moment the. The, like, storytelling of it's, like, I got my girl back, let's go home, baby. Yeah. yeah like, there was just, all right, let's ride off into the sunset now. It's, just, it's a cute moment. The moment is the big deal of the match. All right, number six. We have the Macho Man sit-in at the January 20th, 1997 edition of Nitro. Okay, so I picked this one personally because uh, it was in Chicago at the United Center. Yes. And basically, it was the night before Clash of Champions. And Savage had disappeared after Halloween Havoc 96. And Bischoff had kind of come on like a couple weeks prior and said, Macho Man, quit calling me. You're done in WCW. If you want to join the NWO, you can. But you're done in WCW. Yeah. After Halloween Havoc, Randy had had enough of, of Hogan. Randy was trying to go back... To the WWF. In real life? In real life. He was negotiating to go back. But uh, Vince did not feel as if he was going to fit the mold. Even though uh, there were several people that wanted him there. Brett wanted him there. Uh, Sid wanted him there. Undertaker wanted him there. Jake Roberts wanted him there. Uh, I think Austin wanted him there because Austin wanted to work with him. Yeah. Uh, Vader wanted him there. So Bulldog. Would have been against you. So there was a lot of guys that wanted him there, but he didn't fit the Attitude Era vision. Or and this wasn't even really Attitude Era yet, but it was getting there. So he didn't fit the vision, so Vince said no. I don't think it had anything to do with any rumors that were going on at the time. I think it was just Vince was trying to, he was still kind of promoting that new generation thing. Yeah. So, but Savage wanted to get the fuck away from Hogan. Yeah. But it it wasn't happening. So when he he goes back to WCW and he does this sit-in. So basically, Tony Schiavone and Larry Zbysko introduce the show. All of a sudden, you see Savage go into the ring. Tony Schiavone's like, oh my God, what's this? And like they start losing their fucking shit. 
and Savage gets on the microphone and the first thing he says is, I've been blackballed. Like, they're not letting me back in WCW. Nobody's taking my phone calls. So I'm sitting right here until somebody who was some stroke comes in to get me out. Whose music hits first? Chavo Guerrero Jr. Because he's scheduled for a match. He comes <laughs> out. He's trying to tell Randy. He's like, look, I got to wrestle. So Macho Man punches him in the face and gets him out of the ring. Uh, then Chavo's opponent, Max Muscle, comes out. Useless putts. Randy beats him up, gets him out of the ring. Alex Wright, who was a friend of Randy's, or like they were friends on screen or whatever. He's like, Randy, come on. You got to like get out of here. Macho Man punches him. Macho Man threw the referee at him. Donut Doug Dillinger then comes into the ring. All right. And his fat, useless ass gets punched and thrown out. Uh, but um, so then, and, but then Sting comes in. Yeah. Now, everybody thought Sting was a member of the NWO at the time. At the time, I was starting to think he was a member of the NWO because he attacked Hacksaw Jim Duggan the week before. Pissed me the fuck off. Pushes uh, Savage back with the bat a couple times. Offers Savage the bat to hit him. Savage decides not to. Sting leaves the ring. Savage goes with him. It was just one of those moments. The two of them really didn't need to talk to one another. They just stared at each other, and it was just... It's basically, it was a sit-in strike that occupied like 10 minutes of TV time, but you had to keep the TV on uh, just to see, like, what the hell was going on. Well, it was either keep the TV on and watch that or switch over to Raw and just listen to Bret Hart bitch about how he screwed out of, got screwed out of the Royal Rumble. Yeah. I chose the former chose over the latter. Show. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. So it was just it was just one of those moments where you're starting to see Randy kind of just go to the dark side. Now it would have made uh I think it would have been made things a lot better if he would have attacked the NWO members, but you know it is what it is. Yeah. But no, to me that was just like even though like back in those days it was like get a match in, get a match in, get a match in. This was still one of those things that was like, all right, we don't know what this guy's going to do. For all we knew, for all I knew back in, the, in that day, uh, Randy was going to be fucking. Uh, Randy was going to be sitting in uh, the ring for two hours. There were going to be no matches. Yeah. Because uh, this was actually this was the go home to not only the Clash of Champions that they were going to do the next night but also the go-home to uh, uh, the NWO sold-out pay-per-view. So, it, to me, it was just, it was intriguing television, of course, created by Randy, because it's just like, you actually thought he had a legit beef at the time. Yep. Hell yeah. <clears throat> Do we know what we're doing next week? Just wondered. Uh... I think, and I, I was kind of, I was kind of thinking about it. Uh, Dumbledore had an idea 
of uh, doing a uh, top ten matches of like a, a certain year. Oh yeah, we we should do that soon. But I was thinking we uh, do one more macho match and then do a part two next week. One more mat. One more. Uh, we're gonna do four to one next week. Okay. Because we're almost hitting an hour here, so we can keep going. But. Oh yeah, and tonight's actually. Tonight, actually, you know, and I'm speaking on Clint's behalf. Tonight's actually a big episode of SmackDown because it's the go home for Money in the Bank and yeah, everything yep. Vince cut last week is actually on the show this week. Can I ask a stupid question? What's the go home show? You've mentioned that a couple times. So the go home is the episode before the pay per view. Oh, okay. So the go home before WrestleMania is the last Raw before WrestleMania. Oh, okay. I think that's the only lingo we haven't taught you yet. Yeah, I've, I've never heard you say that before. Yeah. Uh, but, so I figure you want to do part two next week? Yeah. And then we can Is it okay with... Uh, yeah. Are you guys cool? I'm good. Yeah. And then we'll uh, we'll let Clinton and Eric watch some old tape. They're going to have I'll send you some 80s stuff. Oh, uh, just a little off subject, a little bit. Clint, did you ever fill out a cartoon ballot for the underrated cartoons countdown? Oh, so, right. so you send me about how I'm supposed to fill it out because it's not like I can checklist what I want, or do I just screenshot it? Boy, that is like talking to dad. Uh, no, just uh, you can even just like write, uh, just like send me back like the number of uh, of the ones you pick. Oh, all right. I screenshot it and like did it, but I'm like, oh, I'm not sure how I want to do this. <laughs> yeah, just type them back. Yeah, just type it back. That's all. And you don't even yeah. have to type the whole uh, the whole name of the show. Just type the number. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I just felt like I had to get that out because that shows next week. <laughs> Ready to finish up with number five? Yeah. We have my personal favorite feud of his, but we have this match. Saturday night's main event, February 8th, 1992, versus Jake Roberts. Oh. So, and this isn't the moment with this when the snake bites him, right? No, and I, I didn't pick the moment because that was more of a Jake moment. Yeah, than it was because Randy moment. was kind of just got fucked up the whole time. But this was awesome. And this it, whole feud was fucking psychological and great. Right. Some of their best storytelling for the corny, like campy shit they were doing. Some of the best, a dark, eerie storyline. Now, the first match they did at Tuesday in Texas, that was the better story. Yeah, because Savage won the match, but then afterwards, when Jake and we've covered it before, yeah, I remember by the watching way. it with you. Okay, but this was actually a better match, and it was good for Savage because he won this one. Yeah, and then, but the angle at the end when they were trying to go, they were going off air, but you had Jake sitting in the back of the curtain with a chair, went ready to wallop one of them. Yeah, and then he goes to swing. But somebody's holding the chair back. Camera pans. Who is it? It's the Undertaker. Ooh. Who was aligned with Jake the wow. Robert. Yeah. But the Undertaker turned babyface in that moment. Yeah, I forgot about that. Because it was actually funny because Undertaker was booked in some heel matches, like after, including a Madison Square Garden appearance, like two weeks later. Yeah. He was getting cheered. He got cheered. <laughs> Which pissed off Davy Boy Smith 
because that's who he was working, right? And Undertaker comes out to a standing ovation. Yeah. And Gorilla's like, well, he's getting some cheers here, but that's because he saved Macho Man Randy Savage at Saturday Night's Main Event a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And he, he, but he's getting ready, like, he's getting ready to work heel against Davy Boy. But as far as the match goes, again, this was, again, you said this, this was your favorite feud of, of Randy. It is. And it's because of the psychology. Yeah. Because it's the best version of both guys. Yeah. It's the best heel Jake the Snake psychological deep promos fucking just like talking very but I'm going to kill you like like just like the the way he was compared to the height of macho man and elizabeth and the fucking that like just they were the it couple couples and relationships and wrestling aren't really and we did that episode and what was the top of most people's lists and what were we trying to avoid because we knew what number one was going to be? Yeah. It was going to be Macho and Elizabeth. That is the the prom king and queen. That is, you know, the, the king and queen of, of WWE for the longest time. So, and then you got this, like, psychopath fucking kind of beer gut fucking creepy mustache dude that can beat the shit out of you that's fucking her now. And he's also, like, he has a snake bite Macho Man, and which that made so many kids cry. And like so many kids, I was scared. one of them. And just like, and you go back and watch it today, and it's eerie and it's scary, and it's like, and this is like, when you look at it, it's like this is actual art. This isn't shitty like fucking ninety two W. I know you love it. I'm sorry, but this isn't like the Z Man versus whoever. This is like real art. This is fucking, and it's storytelling, and just the snake actually biting Matt in his face, and he's screaming in agony. You know, you were the one that was a fan of the Z Man, right? I do nothing but talk shit about him. I, you know what I mean, though. Yeah. I know you love to derail a good monologue, but you know what I'm saying. Tom Zay, like, that's not... I know what you're saying. That's just two guys working. Yeah. This is actual, like, a math... This is, like, good entertainment. This is a television program that, like, you want to watch every week. Right. No, and I'm not derailing. I'm just correcting. Same thing. But, uh... This was a hell of a, that was a hell of a moment, and it led to some great matches, including this one. And Savage going on top was always the right move, and it's just everything about it worked for me. Yeah, and what's funny about this is that the WrestleMania eight card was still like in in shambles, right? Because they were still trying to figure out what the fuck they were doing. Because uh, they wanted to get Hogan and, and Hogan and Flair at WrestleMania eight. Well. The problem is, is that what are you going to do with the with the rest of the cards? Yeah. They wanted, they were still going to continue Jake and and Macho at at Wrestle at WrestleMania. They were going to do something. I think they were even thinking about just doing a tag match with Undertaker and Jake taking on Sid, Sid and Savage. Yeah. Because they were going to start doing those at the houses, but Sid got hurt. Yeah. So they were going to. I think that was a plan. But then when the Hogan and Flair were not drawing at the houses, they're just like, all right, we need to have a good wrestling match. Like, let's get Flair somebody that he can wrestle at WrestleMania. And they're like, and they asked Randy, they said, do you want the shot? And he's like, yeah, sure. So they came up with that storyline on the fly with him and with him and Flair. Flair and how Flair, you know, 
wanted to nail Elizabeth. Yeah. So, but I'm pretty sure that at WrestleMania 8, there was going to still be a continuation between Savage and Jake. But the problem is, you know, how much more could you do? Bit, you know, the snake bit Randy. You know, then Jake slapped Elizabeth. Savage eliminated Jake from the 92 Rumble, by the way, and then eliminated himself when he wasn't supposed to, to the point where Bobby Heenan had to say, oh, no, he didn't get thrown over the top rope by somebody else. Like, he went over himself. So that's why he's still in the match. And you look at that, and, like, anybody that would have been a a smart fan, like a smart mark back in the day, would have been like, wait a minute, Andre eliminated himself three years ago. Yeah. So, but there was only so much more they could do. Like, what else would they have been able to do? Like, what else could Jake have done to Matt? him on the concrete like he did the Steamboat? Yeah. He almost killed Steamboat by doing that. Because he was told to drop Steamboat as hard as he could on that concrete floor back in, like, 86. He didn't want to do it because he was afraid of hurting Ricky. Yeah. He knocked Ricky out for almost 15 minutes after doing that. So, like, they're not going to do that again. There wasn't much more that they could do, so they had to end the feud here. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to personally see it keep going because I thought that they were really good to get, again, like with the promos and Elizabeth being involved and uh, there and you know Undertaker getting getting involved in all that too. Uh, you know, like I said, at one point when it was supposed to be, you know, Jake and Undertaker versus Sid and Savage. Sid got hurt, and then uh, like all that build up, the Survivor Series, the Tuesday in Texas, the Royal Rumble. A lot of people, I think, say that the feud was cut short. But, again, there's not much more you can do. Yeah. And they had everything to it. There was a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. Uh, there, was a, there was good moments for Jake to where he looked like the best heel in the company, and there was good moments of Macho going on top and looking like the hero he is. So right. Yeah. Everything about it worked. It, I, I mean, you can always go longer or shorter with stuff, but, like, to me, it's a perfect feud in what it is. So. But uh, that being said, we'll be no. back for Go ahead, Eric. Oh, I was going to say, is this considered uh, Michael Man's best feud as a babyface? As him as a babyface? No, I'm still going to say Flair. For me, it is. Just because it's hard for me to view, because you have an easier time viewing Ric Flair as a heel, because you really don't like him. Right. But me, I've always like liked that swagger. Fucking, I'm hanging out with your bitch. <laughs> like, like, just like he was just such a dog back then. There was yeah. something about like it was just kind of endearing to me. It was like he he was a great heel in his own right. But the, I like the more psychological stuff with Jake. I, I like the the eeriness of it. That like Macho has a real threat this time, not just some sleaze ball that's trying to bang his girl. But uh, but I I love both of them. Yeah, no, and, That's where I stand. And no. baby face. Go ahead, Eric. 
No, go ahead. Sorry. I'll, I'll add it. I'll add that. So, but no, like, as a baby face, like, it, for me, it would go, like, the top three would be the feud with Flair, the feud with Savage, or not, oh, well, no, he is Savage, the feud with, uh, the feud with Jake, or the feud with Jake, and then probably right after that, the feud with Hockey. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay. Because they all centered around Elizabeth. Yeah. If Elizabeth wasn't there, Savage, I don't think, would have been that good of a baby face. I mean, uh, no, he was so charismatic, it's hard to tell. Yeah. But uh, we're going to wrap this one up. I mean, he did, I think he had a question to ask before. Oh, yeah. Um, would you consider, like, GDP his better uh, chemistry with GDP, or, or um, who did he have better chemistry with? The best chemistry with in ring. In ring, day would it be DDP? I mean, it was one time, but I'm gonna go Steamboat. I'm gonna oh, agree yeah. with what well, But Ric Flair, he was I, he was just such a good wrestler. It's hard because he had good chemistry with a lot of people. He could have good chemistry with Hogan, for God's sake. So it's a lot of people might not say this, but I think he had good chemistry with Luger. Yeah, so, you know, he was just a really good wrestler. But uh, any more questions? No, not tonight. All right. We're going to come back next week, and we're going to – I love the, the output at the end here. And uh, we're going to come back next week for the final five matches. Four, yeah. final four. Uh, four, to, four to one. Yeah. Or three, two, one. Which I'm pretty sure, like, if it's what I think is still left over, I'm pretty sure I can do an hour and a half on So Yeah. So uh, we'll see everybody next time, and this is a lot of fun. Goodbye. Right. Goodbye. Right, Doug, I want to send you my list now. Okay. What? He's going to send you his list now. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks, man. All right. You're welcome. Sugar, spice, and everything nice. These were the ingredients chosen to create the perfect little girl. But Professor Utonium accidentally added an extra ingredient to the concoction, chemical X. Thus, the Powerpuff Girls were born! Using their ultra superpowers, Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup have dedicated their lives to fighting crime and the forces of evil! <laughs> <laughs>